0: I want to start this morning with a thank you to our worship team, the whole team, and the tech team. There are a ton of moving parts, and I keep throwing new parts at them every Sunday morning. And they've just been working really, really hard to try and give you the best that we can offer. For those of you who are watching online, i got to tell you, the difference between what it sounds like in this room and what it sounds like on the stream is, is just, I can't even describe it. Um, the team is working really, really hard to give you the best that they can. It just isn't the same as being here. And I think that's actually the point. I think God never intended us to always be away. We do the stream, and I value the stream, and we will continue to do the stream as I've always said and while we're in COVID, there are times where we need to be separated. But I think part of what we're doing right now in looking more deeply at spiritual health, I think it becomes more important for us to consider what it means to be in community. How do we remain connected? One of my jobs in the field was to do consulting work with churches and with businesses to really talk about good missional practice. And inevitably, the conversation would come around to spiritual health. Because this is an issue everywhere at all times. And what has become clear to me, that much of what we would consider to be a healthy life is born out of good spiritual health. I have found this to be true for business I've found this to be true in churches, in families, and even with our own individual health. And I, mean, and I think where this comes into play is in all aspects of our life. Our physical health, our emotional health and mental health, and the way we interact with one another in our relational health. It's all rooted in this idea of spiritual health. As Kevin mentioned, the board met yesterday, and I want to commend them. They gave up an entire Saturday morning to really work together to look at what Scripture says about what it means to be a good leader, what Scripture teaches about being a healthy church, And I'm encouraged because our church right now is being led by a group of people who are seeking and committed to being healthy followers of Jesus Christ. And that above all should give you incredible encouragement and incredible hope for the future of this church. Now I'm not saying this is a new development But right now, the board, the people who have been called by you and by God to lead this community are saying, we need to be healthier. Because after 22 months, some stuff has crept in. We're looking at our individual lives, and it's starting with me. We're looking at our practice and our systems, and we're saying, what do we need to do to be responsive to what God has for this community? And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, let me tell you this, church. Good things happen when leaders seek to understand what God is doing and seek spiritual health. Health is the most important thing, and spiritual health tops that list. We've been talking about health now for a while, we've talked about discipleship, we've talked about worship. And this week, we're going to explore one of my favorite characters in Scripture, Nicodemus. I've told you repeatedly that I relate to Peter, that impetuousness, that ability to put my foot in my mouth without any effort at all, that the reality that I'm really good at apologizing is because I'm really good at screwing up. You see, I'm also in many ways like Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a well-educated man. He was probably a little bit older when he first confronted Jesus that day in the temple. And what he had that I share is this incredible life of knowledge. I grew up in the church. Nicodemus grew up in the church But for all his knowledge, for all of his practice, for all of the systems that he he pursued, for all the ways he was seeking what God was doing, he missed the Messiah who was standing right in front of him. I spent my life in church, and when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I walked away from God, if that is actually possible. I rejected what I'd been brought up to believe because I had this remarkable head knowledge. Karen will tell you, when we first started dating, I could answer biblical questions like that. But it hadn't penetrated my heart. It hadn't made any difference at all in who I was. I have revealed to you many times, I was a deeply troubled and angry young man. Least likely to be a pastor. But you see, what God does is he confronts us. And Nicodemus was confronted that day with his own bias and his own misunderstanding. He was a religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, a term of respect. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and water. The Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to the spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we will tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish. But people love the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it. For fear their sins will be exposed. For those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see they are doing what God wants. Nicodemus. This well-educated man. He comes in the night where it's hidden from the others. He's questioning, he's seeking, he's curious. But he's referring to these signs that Jesus has done. His faith is insufficient, it's spurious, it is rooted in what he can see. But he's missing what Jesus is doing. Nicodemus is convinced that Jesus is no ordinary teacher, or that, but he's like Moses or Jeremiah in his mind. He's missing the fact that he is the Messiah. In fact, he doesn't even call him a prophet. Nicodemus should have known this. You see, he's asking, who are you? I know you're a teacher, but are you more? I think this is probably the single most important question that any person can ask. Jesus, who are you? Are you more? Who are you? Are you more? And Nicodemus had this faith and his faith built on an illusion. You see, his illusion of his own understanding was that his own goodness could make way for him to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus, in a moment, shatters this illusion. He dismantles a lifetime of belief that had propped up Nicodemus' understanding that he had the power... You see, his question, what must I do, reveals to him he still thinks there's any possibility for him to actually accomplish all of the things necessary to come face to face with God, to be welcomed into this eternal kingdom. And Jesus says, you can't do it. You must be born again. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but none of you had anything to do with your birth. Mothers who have, who have experienced this know full well where the work comes from. We didn't conceive ourselves. We didn't put any effort into birthing ourselves. It is completely and utterly out of our control. And so when Jesus says you must be born again, he is saying this is completely and utterly out of your control. But for me, it brings up two questions. And those two questions are what are we talking about when we talk about the kingdom of God? And the second is what does it mean to be born again? I'm getting some weird feedback. The kingdom of God is not specifically mentioned in the Old Testament in the same way that it is in the New Testament. The Old Testament references the Lord's kingdom, the reign of God, and that the Lord is king. And so this is how Nicodemus would have understood this. And in many ways, he should have known what Jesus was talking about. Exodus 15 says the Lord will reign forever and ever. Psalm 93 says the Lord is king. Psalm 103 says the Lord has made the heavens his throne. Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, Look at what Scripture is saying. You should know this. You're a teacher of the law. If you don't understand, how is there any possibility that anyone else will? Because Scripture reveals this universal sweep of God's sovereignty, whether we know it or whether we like it. Our opinion in the matter is entirely irrelevant. Scripture also tells us that the kingdom of God will be ruled by the son of David. And so it points us even closer to where one king will rule them all. This is not Lord of the Rings. Because in the darkness, Jesus doesn't bind us. Jesus comes into the dark to free us. They will truly be my people and I will be their God. My servant David will be their king. The scripture says he will be the Lord's servant. Look at my servant, who servant who I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. And he will be the Lord Himself. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. These were the scriptures that that, that Nicodemus had. This would have been his understanding. And right in front of the one, he misses it. He missed the signs. He missed what Jesus was doing. This differentiated an individual person, fully God, fully man, son of David, the miraculous one, the Messiah that he had been seeking. And he misses it. You see, Nicodemus understood. That to see the kingdom of God was to be a participant to the end of the ages. And he would have even understood that it was a resurrected life. Because he would have known that Daniel writes, Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up. Some to everlasting life and some to lead many to righteousness. Let me reread that. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. It was all there. It was all there what Jesus was doing. Everything that Jesus was saying. So when Nicodemus said, how will I be born again? He's missing that what Jesus is saying is that I've already started the process. You see, the message of the gospel, all of this has begun. The message is the good news that in the person of Jesus Christ, in His work and in His message, the regeneration of the world has already begun. But to participate in this regeneration, that regeneration must first exist in me. I must be born again. And it's a rebirth from above. The work of the Spirit. Becoming a child of God by believing in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is not focusing on our humility or on our faith. He's saying our new life comes from another realm. It's an intervention by God through His Spirit. And even one as impressive as Nicodemus with all his knowledge and gifts and understanding and position simply isn't good enough to make it through by his own virtue. No one can, Jesus is saying. You must be born again. So Nicodemus asks, how can an old man re-enter his mother's womb? It's really an absurd question from a well-educated person. Think about that. Like it's kind of blowing Jesus off, it's being a bit sarcastic. Yeah, <laughs> how can I do that? Nicodemus has completely missed what Jesus is saying. I think there was a certain amount of scorn in his voice when he asked that question. But Jesus catches him up short. Nicodemus. What are you talking about? You shouldn't be surprised. You should know better. You're supposed to be a leader of our nation. You're supposed to be the well-educated one. You are the one who's teaching, and you've missed this. Water and spirit, Nicodemus. Water and spirit, don't you see? For I will pour out water to quench your thirst, to irrigate your parched fields. And I will pour out my spirit on the des- descendants and my blessing on your children. They will thrive like watered grass, like willows on a river bank. Some will proudly claim I belong to the Lord. Others will say I am a descendant of Jacob. Some will write the Lord's name on their hands and will take the name of Israel as their own. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away. And you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your your stony, stubborn heart. And I will give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you. So that you will follow my decrees. And be careful to obey my regulations. Nicodemus You will be born again. Now, I'm no scholar. It would be easy and it was easy for me to miss this. I missed it when I was young. I missed it until God brought me up short. That this new birth cleanses and renews. But it cannot be controlled. It's like the wind. Nicodemus didn't have a failure of intellect. He had a failure to believe the witness of Jesus Christ. He thought he could control things. But like the snake on the pole, this very odd story in the Old Testament, where Moses lifts up this this image to save the people, Jesus Christ is the one who's lifted up on the cross, becomes the image for us to look at, to claim, to call on his name, so that we will be healed. The cross becomes not just a place of suffering, but a place of glorification, and it starts and ends with the person, Jesus Christ. He will not be controlled. The cross, the cross, the cross. I relate to Nicodemus because I was one who needed my old stubborn heart to be replaced by one of compassion and grace and mercy. I still have that work ongoing within me. The old man, the old heart, I keep putting it back in and Jesus keeps taking it back out. And it's this constant fight for heart control. I've had more than a triple bypass. God has worked on me again and again and again. And he still works on me again and again and again. And I have lots ahead and no heart. And I fail to remember it's all about Jesus. It is about him and only about him. And I need to get out of the way. See, the heart of this passage is about evangelism. You see, Jesus calls us to the Great Commission, and he is practicing here what he's preaching. He calls us to enter the world, to tell others about the good news, to make disciples, and to teach people to obey. And I am grateful to God for the men and women who patiently put up with me, Told me the good news until I could finally hear it. And for that moment, the Spirit swept in and gave me a heart transplant. Because it's all about Jesus. Nicodemus received the good news that night from Jesus, where he was met in the dark place where he was. See, Jesus comes into that place of ignorance. Into that place of misunderstanding. Into that place of addiction. Of profound confusion. Of rebellion. And he says, I will not leave you here. I want to bring you into the light. And if we see and look closely at the life of Nicodemus. We see such a transformation. To the point where he defended before the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin. Publicly, our Lord. And then he took responsibility for him in the daylight for his body. Claiming Christ for all to see. No longer did he remain in the dark. He stepped into the light and he said, I will be counted as one of Christ's. Nicodemus had a heart transplant. and We're talking about spiritual health. And to be spiritually healthy believers and followers and disciples and worshipers of our Christ, our risen Lord. Some of this involves our ability to be faithful to the Great Commission. One of the aspects of spiritual health, one of the ways we measure whether we are healthy, is if our life is truly a witness to the good news that we claim to believe Are we willing to go where people are at? Are we willing to meet them where they need us to be? This is a shame-free question. This entire series is shame-free. But are you sharing your faith with others? Do your neighbors know why you're different? Do you know how to share your faith? And I'm not talking about standing by the water cooler at work and leaping out at people with the four spiritual laws, whacking them up the side of the head with the Bible. I'm talking about really forming relationships with people so you can understand the darkness that they're in. And you can say, Jesus, come into that. Do you believe? Have you been born again? Or are you like I was or Nicodemus was and got all this head knowledge and you think you're good, but it has failed to penetrate your heart and you actually don't know Jesus? Scripture tells us that some will say, Lord, Lord. Jesus will say, who are you? Does your life exemplify this belief A life that is completely being penetrated by Jesus. Where curiosity and passion for Him and His Word shows outwardly in signs of a transformed life. My non-Christian friends who've known me for many, many years, they don't necessarily believe what I believe, but to a one they have said, you're a different man. I have a long ways to go. I'm your pastor by grace and grace alone, not for any reason that I hold. But I want my life to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Church, has anything slipped into our lives and our practice over this last 22 months? Or 22 years? Has anything slipped out is Jesus gently whispering to us, it is time. It is time, my gracious loving one. It is time, my child. Because Jesus wants to transform us. He wants to free us and He wants to bring life. He wants to dismantle our illusions. He wants to show us where our belief and our worldview is not His. Things that have developed over time that we need Him to dismantle. And I want to encourage you. My own life in the last 22 months, God has shown me areas that I've had to dismantle. Jesus has faithfully, through His Spirit, done a work in me. A few of mine needed to come out. You see, we all need refreshment, and we're all prone to missing the point that Jesus makes. In many ways, we are all like Nicodemus. But he comes into that dark place. So this is a message about health. It's not a message of condemnation, nor is it a message of rebuke. Jesus invites Nicodemus in, but he doesn't give him a timeline. Jesus said, you got to do it now. He just lays out for Nicodemus the path and graciously waits for it to sink in. Because we're all on a journey. And so I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want to cheer you on. No matter where you are, no matter where you happen to be, and if you happen to be in a dark place, and some of us might be, I want you to remember that Jesus Brings the light. Jesus is the messenger. that Comes into the dark places. And my prayer for all of us. My prayer for all of us. Is that we will continually come into the light that Jesus shines. Let's pray. Lord, we live in a world that seeks to disrupt. We live in a world that seeks to create confusion. Lord, many of us have been taught things or have come to believe things that are holding us back. Like Nicodemus, our understanding is flawed. I know that was true for me. Probably remains true. Me. So, Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that you would gently confront areas that we need to submit to you. Lord, where it has penetrated our head but not our heart, I pray your gospel would sink deep. For areas in our lives, Lord, that are areas where we're struggling where practice has stepped in, has set in, where good things have been pushed out, Lord, I pray that you give us the strength and the courage to seek help. Lord, for the many ways that we run from you, for the many ways that COVID-19 has allowed us to hide from you and from one another, I pray, Lord, we'd have the courage and the strength to come together as God's people to support one another and to worship you together. Lord, I long for the day, I long for the day when we could be back together in this building. But until that day, I pray, Lord, those watching online, don't fall away. And Lord, for the ones who have fallen away, I pray your spirit stirs their heart. I pray that your, stir it gently, your spirit gently invites them back. And Lord, may we be a people who welcome them back with open arms. There is no condemnation in you, Lord Jesus. So Lord, may we freely as a people seek the light. We ask this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Spirit.